Coming up on this week's episode, we look back at the weekend's FA Cup games and see who put their place in the final. Should Nigel Pearson have been sacked from Watford? And is there a resurgence at Arsenal? Liam is here with another story from his archives, whilst I have some interesting stats in the Wonders of White, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of View from the Sideline Podcast. It's Chris here and Liam is here as always. Hello, Liam. Evening, Chris. How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Very good, especially after yesterday. Yeah, um, what a win. Yeah, it's a surprise, um, but we are going to talk a bit more about that um, in, in the talking points. Um, well, I guess you've got a, a teaser for this week. I do. I do, and I think the last few weeks I've been taking it a little bit easy on you. You've been doing a little oh. bit too well, so I'm making, <laughs> okay. I'm making things a little bit more difficult right right. this week. So what I want you to do is we're going, we're going back to a few weeks ago. I want you to put the following players in order of Premier League assists. Right. So I hope you've got a pen and paper. I've got a laptop. So yeah, here we go. Assist, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, it, yeah. So um, in order of the number of assists they've had in the Premier League, so you've got Dennis Bergkamp. Uh, you've got Camp, yeah. Cesc Fabregas. I thought the Chelsea connection there. Okay. Uh, Ryan Giggs, Frank yeah. Lampard, and Wayne Rooney. So I, I, I saw that list and I thought, well, there's two Chelsea players in there, so we might have an idea about them. Yeah. Have well, a think throughout the podcast. I know sort of Lampard's. So it's just trying to figure out the rest. Okay, I'll have a, I'll have a think whilst uh, whilst we're doing it. That's a difficult one. Tricky this Yeah, red herring in there somewhere. But, um, we'll um, we'll see. But we'll move on now to um, the talking points from uh, this week. Uh, firstly, we're going to talk about the two FA Cup games that happened uh, on Saturday and Sunday this week. Um, so we had Arsenal versus Man City on Saturday and then the Man United Chelsea game yesterday. So we'll start with, um, I suppose, uh, quite a shock, really, um, for most people. Arsenal beating uh, Manchester City by two goals to nil. Yeah, massive shock. I, didn't, I definitely didn't see that result coming. Obviously, Arsenal had a good win um, in the week against Liverpool, but I just thought, yeah, I mean, how well Man City have been playing over the last few weeks. I never saw that performance coming from Arsenal, especially not David Luiz. Um, <laughs> I said, what an uh, enigma. I, I messaged yesterday and I said they've made yeah. him look like Maldini this week. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I was quite shocked at how. I wouldn't say Man City played poorly. I'd say, you know, in parts of the game, they were actually quite good. Um, they just really struggled to create any sort of clear-cut chance. Um, and, and with Man City, I find when Sterling and De Bruyne aren't sort of firing on all cylinders, uh, their build-up play can be quite slow. And yeah. it, it just doesn't flow as well um, when those two aren't playing or if they're not... if they're you know, effectively being played out of the game. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, com- you know, completely shocked. I, I, I didn't really. I've seen the highlights from the game. I didn't watch the game live. Um, but definitely, when I looked down at my phone on Saturday night to see that it ended two 0 I was, 
surprise and a Bamiang, you know, two, you know, well taken goals, really. Um two good finishes. Yeah. Um and two he also he had a really goals. yeah, he had a really good chance as well at nil nil. Yeah. He was almost thrown goal <laughs> he literally anywhere else at the goal and he probably would have scored, but he had it right yeah. right down the centre, right at the keeper. Um but yeah, I you know, as from a Chelsea point of view, um move on to that game quickly obviously with us winning yesterday out of the four out of you know the other three teams that were you know were there Arsenal definitely the the t- team I would like to play in the final so we beat them in the Europa League final uh, last season uh, 4-1 so um probably different different sort of Arsenal side to play now but um just moving on to Chelsea Best I've seen them probably since we restarted. Um, I thought we pressured Manchester United into making quick passes that they weren't, you know, keen on. You know, Jorginho did a really good job of isolating Fernandez. You know, very, that, that very pre- good job. Pretty much like their their one player that that was going to create anything. He was pretty much played out of the game by Jorginho. Uh, he was I my man the of the game. match. Yeah, I, I, watched know, it. I know he didn't get on the sports on the score yeah, sheet yeah. or anything. He didn't take many headlines, but yeah, he 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 kept Fernandez so quiet. Every, yeah, and I know I know that Pogba wasn't playing. And I know there was a you know a few probably of the more form players that were on the bench for United, but it was by no means a weak squad. No. But I think I genuinely you made them look ordinary. I think this weekend and yes. highlighted quite a few defensive fragilities that I think we all <laughs> knew they had. But have sort of been papered over the last few weeks, um, especially with the De Gea mistakes. Yeah, you know, I'd, think... I, I'd be looking at saving both of them. I'd be a bit disappointed at letting both, you know, the Giroud goal and the Mount goal in. The Mount goal, especially. Um, even just... Rudiger's was at the near post, and you think, well, it was a, it was a more difficult one to save. But yeah, the other two. It was almost with the Giroud one. It was almost as if he'd saved it, but he because he sort of patted the ball down, it just hit his hit his foot and went in. It was almost an own goal because it looked like if his foot's not there, I don't think that goes in. I think he's like no. he's punched it down onto his own foot. But yeah, great. It was a good all round performance from Chelsea. I mean, you didn't really give them a sniff, to be honest. No, it is. I felt that we were so much more effective when they when we played that sort of three at the back with the two wing backs, and yeah. I think Solskjaer knew that that's how we'd probably play, and they tried to set up in the same way. But I just it just it didn't work for them. I'm not sure why, um, and it was very strange that he made the changes that he did going into the game as well, starting Daniel James. Mm. Um, I thought that was a bit of a strange one, and Fred as well. I, I would have thought you'd be probably starting your best team. Um, it sort of implied that he was going to sit back mm. and let you know soak up some pressure, and then just try and hit you on the counter attack with some pace. But the formation that you play and the players that you play, you're not really lacking in pace. No, uh, no, definitely not on the wing. I mean, maybe Azpilicueta is getting a bit old, but apart from that. You you're not a slow team, and I just thought it was it was an unusual way to start. Considering how effective the three up front has been, I, I personally, as a manager, I would want to keep those in form playing 
um, you oh, know, yeah. to try and keep that form going. But maybe I don't know. Maybe he just thought it, it's it's too much. There's a lot of games over the last few weeks, and maybe they're a bit tired. I don't know, but yeah, it it did seem a little bit strange. But um, yeah, all round performance from you guys, I thought I thought was excellent and. Defensively, didn't give them a chance. I thought you bossed them in field. Fernandez was made to look very ordinary, which is not an easy thing to do by the looks of things. And lethal up front, albeit with the help from from slightly, yeah, yeah, slightly, yeah, a few errors from De Gea there, which you know have been consistent over the last few years. One thing I did did think: does this mean? Do you think Henderson should come back from Sheffield and start next year? Do you mm. think De Gea's time is up? I don't know. I, I saw somewhere today that um, some some computer machine uh, like works out how many sort of goals a keeper should concede in like a season, depending on you know their form and stuff. It nailed it straight on of how many goals he would have conceded in the season so far. So I don't know. I. Who are you going to sell him to, though? If you, you know, if you want to get rid of him, I don't think Real Madrid and Barcelona are currently looking for goalkeepers and, and sort of, you know, Liverpool aren't going to be looking for another goalkeeper. And I can't imagine that Man would want to sell to Chelsea or, or Arsenal, sort of their rivals in the league. So I'm not too sure, but I think I think they will bring Henderson back. Um, maybe just to keep the hair on his toes maybe a little bit um, I, I think this year that personally for me Henderson if the Euros had been played this year I think he, he would have been out he of would the have been there, yeah. yeah yeah I think he's been that good and I think he deserves to get a chance at United but yeah going back to what you were saying I don't know who they'd sell him to I don't know any of the main clubs even going back to Atletico they wouldn't want him anymore because they've got a black and goal Mm. Um, the only team I can think of is maybe like an Inter Milan where all United players seem to be going at the minute. Yeah, um, even they've got Handanovic like and he's... Yeah, know. he's getting on a little bit, I suppose. Mm. But yeah, they probably won't... They would, it's, it's not a necessity. Um, unless Juventus think, you know, Buffon is... I know he signed a contract extension, but he is 40-odd. 40 maybe uh, Juventus or... Munich maybe thinking Neuer's getting a bit old or something, I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, but it depends. They're, it's going to come down to money, isn't it? The end of it the is, day. yeah. He's going to May be an not expensive is, keeper. May not they're going to want top dollar for him, but whether yeah. he's a top dollar goalkeeper, I, I don't know. But yeah. yeah. We'll, um, we'll move on to one of the surprising sackings of this season, maybe, in Nigel exactly. Pearson. Um, a very, very strange... Um, I know that they lost to West Ham and I know that, that they probably saw that as a must-win game, but with two games to go to the season completion, it seems like a very, very odd decision to do that. And yeah. I didn't see it coming, to be honest with you. Um, no, complete surprise. Oh, you know, of when all the you... teams at the bottom, I didn't, I didn't... Watford were the one I would least expect because I've had two changes already this season. You just keep... Keep that. I mean, he was seven points adrift, I think, when he took over. He's yeah. now three points clear with two games to go. I mean, when the um... yeah, just it makes no, just two more games. Just keep him for two more games. He's yeah, probably they... going to see you safe. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. 
He had a 35% win rate in the Premier League at Watford, which is the best ever for a manager of Watford. So, yeah. The Premier League. So, it it oh, just seems very what do strange. They expect? What 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 were Watford's like board? What what were they expecting him to do from Watford. from where he took them over? Were they expecting him to still finish top half? I, I mean I don't. Well, they've been a lot. I, I don't get it. I'm sincere, sort of I was genuinely speechless. So, yeah. They have. They have. They really have. But I see. I, um, think... I see they got Man City tomorrow, um, and you could actually go above them tomorrow because. I'm, I've heard that their last two games against Man City have ended 6-0 and 8-0. So, yeah. <laughs> you could go above them on goal difference tomorrow. But I, I really yeah. think if they if they end up going down, I, I think I think they're going to regret because Nigel Pearson be would be a brilliant manager for the championship as well. So, yeah. I, I just... It just... Something just doesn't seem to sort of add up. Um, no. And I know I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter from sort of football pundits saying, you know, they're quite shocked in the fact that, you know, they've sacked him. And so I, so I saw Gary Lineker say that, you know, this, this, you know, the gratitude that you get for getting a team out of, you know, the bottom three and potentially safe, um, you get sacked. It's, yeah. just, it's just very, very strange. And But uh, Leicester did the same thing and won the league. You yeah, know, he kept, he kept yeah, them up. Yeah, yeah. An absolute I, miracle in keeping them up and then yeah, got sacked. So, I see what you're saying. And I don't think, I think if anything, he's probably come up better for this. I think that he'll probably be able to get a half decent job. Yeah. Next. Well, I think that, if you're looking at maybe Christmas this year, uh, whoever's struggling in the Premier League. Uh, you know, potentially if West Ham are down there again, or or someone like that, um, he will be in the in the in the draw for that for one of those oh, yeah. um, for one of those yeah. jobs. The, probably, the, I would say the first person to get sacked with a team in the bottom half, fearing relegation, he'll be in with a shout of taking over. He, I think he studied the ship at Watford. I mean, I saw them in I think what was um, Flores's last game at Southampton. They clearly have some good quality players. I mean, De La Feu, yeah. we all know, you know, he's got trickery and um, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy up front. Um, they brought him in over summer. Uh, but, um, oh, Saar, that's it. He, yeah, he yeah. you know, lots of pace, lots of power. He scored a good goal that day. But they just, as soon as Southampton scored, the confidence just drained from Drains, them. And you, yeah. It was like a different team. And they just did, they, they thought it was inevitable Southampton were going to go and win. And they sat back. Since Pearson has took over, the desire and the willingness from all the players just, it, they seem to be totally different. And to bring something like that, it's not just about your tactics or anything like that. Just to bring that confidence to say that we actually can go out and win games just because we've conceded doesn't mean that we're going to lose. I think that's been a lot of Villa's problem this year as well, personally. I think as soon as we concede, we think, well, that's it, it's game over. Um, uh, but yeah, to, to be able to bring that sort of attitude, I think he's done a wonderful job. I really don't understand why he's been sacked at this point. If, they, if they'd have done it six games ago, seven games ago with him still in trouble... Yeah. I could kind of reason with it because someone's got a chance to come in and turn it round, but to 
to basically, I mean, they're going to end the season managerless, aren't they? The last two games, they're not going to have time to get anyone in. So. This is good news for you, though, I think. I, think. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the other Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. This is the third time know. on this podcast this season I've spoken about a Watford manager getting sacked. Yeah. <laughs> this is Crazy. insane. But we'll, um, we'll move on now because we, we did want to talk about, I know we, we spoke a little bit about Arsenal just to, you know earlier, but um, just the sort of resurgence in the last sort of week that we've seen um, from them, two games, I think, you know, a week ago, we probably would have said that they weren't going to get I know one was in the league, one was in the FA Cup. You know, they wouldn't have won in the league and they weren't going to get through in the FA Cup, but we're sat here now and they've done both. They won, they won, they beat yeah. Liverpool. Um, you know, and defensively, they look so good. And it's just so strange how we've gone from David Louise, you know, three, four weeks ago, getting sent off, you know, making countless errors to him putting in the performances that we've seen in the last two weeks. And yeah. I've just look looking back sort of since Arteta has, has taken over. So before he took over, they conceded 26 goals and they've conceded 19 since he took over in less games as well. So in more game in, in more games than what the previous manager did. So in defensively, Actually, since he's taken over, they—I know we've seen a few errors. They have actually improved. Yeah. Um, and I think another player that that he was injured for most of this season, but Tierney, um, I think he's going to be key to that sort of back four. Uh, he, he looks like a, I know he was injured. He's been injured for quite a long time, but he definitely looks like that someone that moving forward can be, you know, one hell of a defender. Yeah, and he's still young as well. Um, and I think, yeah, they've got a good left back there. Uh, they would have obviously liked, liked him to have stayed injury free. But one thing I did when Arsenal previously, I think they had a sort of very a set way of playing. Um, obviously, Wenger had a certain style of football and they tried to keep it up. And, you know, it's quick tempo, short passing, you know, always try and score the perfect goal almost. But I think football's moved on a little bit from that. And looking at the Arsenal side that played Man City, he I know Arteta knows Guardiola's tactics, but he played it so perfectly to yeah, say, yeah. we're going to get people behind the ball, but not just a case of throwing numbers behind the ball. They're all going to have set jobs to do. They're all going to have people to mark. He matched them up perfectly. And you always know when you've got a Bamiyang up front, he's got pace you could potentially get a goal on the counter-attack. And because Man City sat quite high up the pitch, especially in the second half when they're pushing for an equaliser, it just played right into their hands. I've got yeah. to credit Arteta because he, he absolutely nailed it. He got it absolutely spot on. Um, and yeah, in the Liverpool game, I, I, didn't actually, I didn't watch that one at the time. Um, I've only sort of seen the highlights of that one. And... You could say that maybe Liverpool are on the beach or whatever, but they're still a quality side. It doesn't doesn't matter whether their mentality is, you know, mm. we're on holiday, we've already won the yeah, league. Yeah. Um, they've still got players that if you make a mistake, they're going to score. And um, yeah, they've they've really solidified at the back. And I think, like you said, David Luiz was made to look like Maldini. But 
It's like he's got a twin brother. Crazy, he's yeah. He's so erratic. Yeah. I've never known a player be just so different from one week to the next. But, yeah, it's it's positive science because, I mean, all they've got to do is build on for next year. I know they're still in the cup final now, but they've just got to build for next year. And it's promising signs, you know, with the transfer window. Who knows what they could do? Yeah, I still think that they will probably look to buy a defender or two maybe in the summer. Yeah. Um they do need and to maybe a midfielder, but I, I still think going forward, I think Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Pepe, you know, they they could be the the, the best front three in the Premier League. Yeah, um, Pepe started putting in a few performances. He had yeah, a bit of a well start. Yeah, he, he, he played well against Man City. Well yeah, yeah, I thought he, he had a really well. good game. Probably one of the best. Well, from an Arsenal point of view, probably one of the best games he's actually had. So yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully we're after the cup final, we're not talking about Arsenal having a good game. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know you'll be wanting a Chelsea win there, but yeah, uh, yeah. It, it'll be. I think they'll give you a good game now. I think if, if yeah. this time last week, I would have said, oh, that's going to easily be a Chelsea win. But yeah, if uh, if Arteta continues to get things right and they can stay mistake-free at the back, then who knows what can happen. This, that is always the thing, isn't it? When your defence is conceding mistakes that are like individual errors you know that as long as you can cut out that one in or two individual errors you've actually yeah. got the rest of the package sorted up it's fine yeah. so you all you need to do is just you know be a bit more sensible with you know not passing to opponents and all that kind of stuff and you've got a decent defense there already for you great cool okay so um yeah that was uh, this week's talking points and uh, that is the end of part one and in part two we will be back with a brief summary of what went on at Hewish Park on Saturday. Uh, Liam's got another story uh, from his uh, encyclopedia of footballing stories and there's some more stats in the Wonders of White so we'll be back in part two. Hello and welcome back to part two of the From Silent Podcast. Um, just going to briefly talk about what happened on Saturday in the uh, National League playoffs. Um, Yeovil went up against Barnet. Um, I've been talking about this for probably the past month. Um, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, it ended 2-0 uh, to Barnet. So, yeah, shame. Shame there. I, I I just I feel like first half I didn't think I thought Barnett was so slow at starting the game. I thought we should have capitalised a bit more um, in the first half. Maybe create, try to create a few you know chances. But you know, hopefully next season can be that season. But I uh, you know it's, there's been a few very good performances this season, but there's been equally some very bad performances and we you know we still ended up fourth in the league so if we can just cut out some of those bad performances and turn them into good I think you know we might stand a chance but very hard lead to get out of once you're stuck it is in consistency. there so. consistency is um, massively important for that league I remember when um, a couple of years ago when Cheltenham were in there obviously they're my second team I do try and follow them as much as I can but if you can put a run together where you go undefeated for you know 10 15 games you're in with a chance but 
if you can't put, you know, five or six games and then you lose and draw, you're always going to end up in that playoffs and it's just a yeah. lottery. Well, there's so many teams in that. Play- I think it's stupid to have a playoff system like that personally. But it's crazy. Isn't yeah. It? But yeah. Hopefully, hopefully fingers keep, crossed for next year. Yeah. And keep some of the players as well. I think it's key that he tries to keep the same squad together because they're a half decent squad and probably one of the best squads in the league. So um, it's a, it's a new, new era, you know, starting next season, obviously new owners, you know, that they get to do some business over the summer or the three weeks that they're going to have off and uh, maybe able to bring a a couple of players in, um, hopefully sign a few players on loan like they did this season. So we'll, um, see what happens but hopefully next year they can uh, go up so so then Liam you've got a story what is it this week so after the success of last week's story which was based around animals albeit pork uh, (laughs) a player being bought for pork to be specific I thought I'd keep the animal theme going so this week's story is all about a dog called Bryn so, this dog, Bryn, has gone down in folklore with Torquay United fans as probably the only animal ever credited with saving a team from relegation. So, you got a picture, the scene. We're in 1987. It's the last day of the season. Torquay are facing relegation from the Football League altogether. With Torquay trading 2-1 to Crew Alexandra, in the final few minutes, police dog Bryn, who was patrolling the sideline with his handler, bit Torquay's Jim McNichols' thigh. It took four minutes to treat the wound, and in the fourth minute of injury time, Torquay striker Paul Dobson grabbed a dramatic equaliser, which saved his team from relegation. <laughs> Bryn was that highly thought of by Torquay that after his death, he's, he was stuffed and is still on display in the Torquay boardroom to this Lovely. day. <laughs> so a legendary oh dog at Torquay United. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh dear. That is a classic. Um, yeah, I've got a few questions. Um, well, how? Uh, I thought police dogs were trained only to. Uh, do you think the handlers like to say, "Oh, you know, bite him, bite him, go on, just, just give him a I little bit, get some more time." Maybe back in the 80s, you know, they carried drugs in their pocket or something like that. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what's, what happened with the bite, and it's quite hard to find, you know, yeah. fourth division football in 1987. But, uh, yeah, for whatever a reason. Line of, a line of sausages or something. like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's fine>. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, Bren, you know, you know, I'll have to get a picture of Bren, put him online. Yeah, we'll have to find it somewhere. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, at least they stuffed him, you know. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Legendary. Mm. I wonder how that conversation went down. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, when when the dog does, uh, you know, unfortunately pass away, uh, could could we keep him? Oh dear. We forever got a reminder of how terrible the police are in Cornwall and Devon. Oh dear. Well, well, that was a good one, actually. Good. Glad you enjoyed that. More next week, of course. I will dig out some more stories. Seeing Torquay getting relegated would have been pretty good, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I know you you enjoy Torquay relegation. 
they've had a few over the last few years. Well, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, well, we'll move on to uh, the Wonders of White for this week. Uh, so no player has scored more goals in all competitions for Frank Lampard in his managerial career than Mason Mount. He has 18 in total. Uh, Tottenham only had 29.5% possession in the game against Leicester, which is their lowest since 2012 when they played Manchester United. And they were at home as well. Yeah, at home, yeah. (laughs) And in fact, they've only ever at home uh, before had a lower uh, possession rate. That was 26% in 2002. Uh, Southampton, uh, this one's actually quite surprised me. So Southampton have now picked up 31 points on the road this season and that can only be bettered by Liverpool, who are 41. Wow, yeah, that is surprising. Yeah. That's good. So Southampton have been really good this year. They have surprised me. I had them as relegation favourites yeah. at the start of the season. Yeah. Right, they yeah, after no that. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah, after uh, that one, I thought I was a genius. Yeah. Yeah. I've gone. I've gone with another one from Liga this this year. Another record at this time. Uh, Real Madrid have conceded zero goals from outside the box in a La Liga season, which wow. could be a record because up until records were started published online, which was two thousand and three, two thousand and four, it's never happened. So. It could have happened before that. No one will ever know. But yeah, they've got a whole season without conceding a goal. And just to give you a rundown, uh, Courtois saved 24 shots from outside the um, the box this season. So he's been a big help. I just think people are scared of Ramos, though, personally. I wouldn't like to score against him. He's I mean, look, he would, he would just go... I wouldn't like to make him angry, put it that way. I really do like Ramos, and I'd love for him to play in the Premier League. Just, he's just a love hate. Yeah, he yeah he's my mate. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Nice. That's I enjoyed those. Right, your teaser. Oh, I'm gonna, yes. I'm going to mess this up so bad. Is this? So five players in order of Premier League assists. So you've got. So Berkamp, what I've tried to Fabregas, do is I've tried to guess how many years they played in the Premier League, and I'm just going to go off by. So obviously, out of the five, I would say Giggs has probably played in the most Premier League, but I really doubt that he assisted that many more than Lampard or less than Lampard. Oh, fiddlesticks. Just to give you a bit of uh, context, I'll give yeah. you... So they are the top five. Yeah. So those five are the top five assistants in the Premier League. So uh, sixth at the moment is David Silva with 93 assists. Okay. So right, you've yeah. all got above that amount. Just in, yeah. I don't know whether that will help, but there you go. Obviously, the the top five aren't playing in the Premier that really, League. Then that really, really baffles me about Burkamp because I have no idea how he's got that many. Okay, right. Oh, I, mate, I just have to. I have to guess this. Right, I'll go with. I'll go with Lampard. Number one. Right. Go with Lampard number one, or do I go with? 
Okay, so I'm going to go Lampard. Rooney. Giggs. Hang on. No, Lampard, Rooney, Fabregas, Giggs and Bergkamp. Well, you got one right. <sighs> God. Bergkamp was bottom. He was so bottom, Bergkamp's yeah. So I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought he was bottom. So, right, going from the so I went Lampard, Rooney, Fabregas and Giggs. You've, you've literally got them in reverse order. That's the Fabregas. So it's Giggs is number one with 162. Why didn't I just assists. go with him? I was just thought for some reason I thought he'd probably assisted less, even though he's been played probably under games more than anyone else. But oh right, yeah, so so he was top with 162, so he's quite yeah. a way in front of Cesc Fabregas, who is second. Yeah, which that I found that quite surprising. If, if I yeah, um, but he's got 111. So yeah, there's a big difference between 162 and 111. What's that? 51. So yeah, a uh, big difference between first and second. Sure. Then you've got Wayne Rooney, who's on 103. Uh, then you've got Frank Lampard on 102. So quite close. Um, and then yeah, Dennis Bergkamp at the bottom with 94. So one out of five this week, but it was a tough one. I just wanted to test your knowledge because. I personally would have thought that Lampard would have been second out of all those. I probably would have gone for second. But then again, he scored. All right, Rooney scored a lot of goals, but he was a striker. But he's, mm. Lampard scored a lot more goals than those other three. He's our record so, goal scorer, Lampard. So. Yeah, it's not bad going. For uh, but uh, yeah, if you wanted to know the top 10, I'll round it up yeah, for you. So on. David Silva, as I mentioned, in six. So Steven Gerrard. It's in seventh with 92 assists, so Silva's only just overtaken him. And then um, one that was a complete surprise for me, at number eight in the all-time assists in the Premier League is James Milner with 84 assists, which is pretty impressive for someone who's meant to be very boring. Um, (laughs) Then we've got uh, David Beckham at number nine with 80 assists, and then Teddy Sheringham at number 10 with 76 just oh. coming in ahead of Thierry Henry. So, yeah, interesting to look at that because there's a few players in there that I just wouldn't have... Well, Burkamp, I was surprised Burkamp was, was in there, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't like prolific as a goal scorer, really, for Arsenal, was he? He never got, you know, 20, 25 goals a year, but I think he was so important for Henry. I don't think Henry would have been... As good He's as more he was set forward when he, I guess, than a... yeah, yeah. But I just thought that was an interesting list this week. So uh, very good. Still, there are a few good. other names in there. Gareth Barry is fifteenth, but I think that's just down to the number of games he's played in the Premier League. Uh, Nobby Solano is at nineteenth, uh, which I thought was <laughs> well, yeah, as from the past because he did play quite a few games, didn't he, for, for Newcastle and then for yeah, he was on yeah. yeah, he was good for us. He was only with us for a couple of years. Um, and then, yeah, Ashley Young's around there. Darren Anderson's around there. So, yeah. Patrick Berger yeah, on the list. list. Uh, Patrick Berger, I'll see if I can find him. Uh, he's definitely not in the top 20. That's, that's uh, let me go. I'm going to have to go to the next page. If he's not in this page, I, I'm not going to find him. Uh, Steve Malbronk at number 26 there. Wouldn't have thought that. Kevin Davis is up there as well. No, he's not in the top 40, oh. so I don't know where he is. What a letdown, eh? Yeah. Cool. 
All right, well, you got me this week. Um, yeah. I'll make it a bit easier for you next week. You can get get some points back. Yeah, so, um, yeah, next week's going to be our last in the, in the series. Um, yes, last of the series. It's gone on a bit longer than we thought. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird because we've... we've um, it's gone on for probably about two months more than what it normally would, um, but obviously less episodes this series. So. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a series full of change, but um, but yeah. So next week will be the last one for probably about three four weeks. I think depend. I forget what time what, when they're coming back to play football, but. Um, we'll clarify next week. Um, we'll be ready. Else? We'll be ready. Yeah, yeah. Anything else, Lynn? No, nothing from me. Cool. Well, we will speak to you next week.